0: You're listening to audio from the Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit tvcresources.net.
1: Good morning. My name is Carter Galgano, and I serve here at the church on the family ministry team. Uh, today I'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure this, a gracious thing, in the sight of God?" He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Thanks, Carter. Hey, guys. morning. How are you all doing? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those first, Peter. Before we get started... I'm the bearer of bad news, especially bad news if you drive a white Jeep or a gray Tundra that's parked in front of the ATM machine over at the bank. I'm just letting you know that we have the entire parking lot except those two spaces. Uh, and so I'm going to come and pray real quick. You get about 30 seconds to get your stuff and head out and move that car or someone might move it for you. Uh, and I don't want that to happen to you. Hey, here's a way if you're a longtime member of the village, here's a way that you can serve what God's doing in our midst in these days. We run shuttles from the Highland Village campus. Uh, all right. Uh, the Highland Village campus is a half a mile away. It's not a long ride, but if you could, if you're able, I know some of you've got situations where it's not possible, but if you're able, if you would park over at HV and ride the shuttle, that'll just kind of create the space we need. We're working right now, hopefully to have a police presence that can get us out of the parking lot and into the parking lot a little bit quicker for the service. If you're at home right now, you haven't had to do any of that. Your car is probably fine. I'm not omniscient, so I don't know, but I've just check real quick. Now, <laughs> Let, let me say this, because I, I had this moment with the Lord this morning at about five, uh, and so I want to be sure to, to honor that. Um, I, I just want to start, not because I'm going to be mean today, but I, I am a little. You, you make pastoring awesome. Like, we're in a season where so many guys, I don't know if, you're, if you've seen these trends, like guys, I mean, they're just dropping like flies, man. They're underpaid and underappreciated and beat up and haggard and everybody always brings all the complaints and no joy. It's a brutal. And I see the stats and I read the stories and man, that is not, you have loved me. You have put up with me. You have taught me. You have encouraged. I feel flanked by you. I couldn't be more grateful. To be with you over this long period of time. My whole adult life basically has been with, with you guys. And so, man, I just wanted to start just by me saying to you, not you saying to me, saying to you, hey, thank you. you. You don't make this harder than it needs to be. You make it a joy to serve Jesus. And that's why I love just getting to bother Satan with you. I, I love that. I love that he hates us like he does. And I, so I'm, you're my people. Thank you. You make this easy in a way that it's not easy for all the guys out there. So thank you for that. Now, um, we're in First Peter. This is, uh, let me see what week. This is week five in First Peter. And so what we've been looking at uh, is as Christians, how are we meant to live when, when culture gets a little acidic? Uh, Are you tracking with what I'm saying there? Uh, It's not that we're being persecuted. Uh, It's not that we're being arrested or thrown in prison. It's just how do you live for Jesus when your belief system and your way of life is actually viewed as an obstacle or a hurdle for the predominant culture to get where they want to go? Like, how are we supposed to live not when we're beat up and thrown in prison, but when we're just as seen as so odd and so backwards and, and so weird as to be pushed to the margins of society? And I don't think we're there yet, but I think all of us feel things aren't the way they used to be, right? Anybody like the way I hear other people talking about what I believe is not only incorrect, but crazy. The the way that, that we're represented when questions about sexuality or marriage or other moral categories come to view is not only not true, but twisted and broken. Yeah. Like at one point we were just odd and now we're enemies. Yeah. And and I'm listen, I love you. I don't I don't foresee that getting better anytime soon. Um but but I also don't think you have anything to be afraid of. So how are we meant to live in this environment that we're in, where where we're seen as at the least odd and, and at the most hurdles to progress? Like, how are we supposed to be faithful in that space? And so we looked last week, remember, throughout the whole thing, Peter's like, keep in mind, you're not from around here. That's his phrase. You're an alien and stranger. You're a foreigner in this world. You are a refugee. You belong to the kingdom of God, which is why you can see that the world looks crazy, but the world can't see that it's crazy because you're from a different place. You're like from a place. And we talked about this last year. How are we to live? Well, the first way we live as aliens and exiles is by embracing lives of beauty and goodness. And to see the moral law of God in the scriptures as something like King David said, like mm, honey on our lips. So when God says, this is what marriage is, we say, yes, this is what, and then we live into it, right? We, we, as best as we can, by the grace of God, we get help when our marriages are all jacked up and our marriages get jacked up. Anybody? Amen? Seven years for me. It wasn't my wife's fault. Completely. Right. I mean, I, I, yeah, she's here. I'm not like, Ooh, no, we're going to be fine. We know our story. Like we get help when we're broken. When we still got that compulsion towards wickedness or a kind of loneliness that, that points out that we're not fully trusting in God. We get, we sit eyeball to eyeball with other Christians. We ask for help. We go to Jesus. We lay it before his feet and we let him do his good work. We want to live lives of beauty. We think that as God says, this is how sex works. He's not trying to take from us. He's trying to get, he invented the thing. He ain't trying to steal pleasure from you. He's trying to get you into it. it. We're the ones that twist it all up and make it perverse and broken. God's the one going, oh, I want to give you this beautiful gift of intimacy. It needs to be, it's hot. You get, it's got to get in this compound. it will burn you up if you ain't careful. It, it'll, it'll destroy you. I'm gonna put some boundaries around like a fireplace. You don't start no fire on your coffee table. It's got to be in the fireplace. We look at the moral law of God, and even when it doesn't make sense, or we don't like it. We say, he's my king, I'm living into it. And that's going to make us the aroma of life to some, look at me, and the stench of death to others. You will, come on, you will not be cool enough to usher people into the kingdom. Look at me, whoa, whoa. But you might just be odd enough. And that's what we don't want, right? That, that, just trying to make Christianity sexy. It's not. It's not. But it's beautiful and compelling. So we talked about lives of beauty. And then we moved to the second thing that Peter argued, which is the one that, even as I say it, I can feel in me like, Ugh, it's so contrary to every force that's pushing in on us right now that, that it sounds crazy. So not only are we meant to live lives of beauty by surrendering fully to the lordship of Jesus and the moral law of scripture, but then on top of that, we're meant to live not only lives of beauty, but lives of boldness. But those lives of boldness, according to the scripture, isn't you memeing everyone out of their position? It's not even you uh, being uh, bold in the sense that maybe you consider bold. According to Peter, who, by the way, saw it from Jesus, boldness is about meekness, power, authority, strength, under control. So I'll say it, I'll use the words that Peter uses, that the book uses, boldness in submission. That S word, man. People are not having that S word in 2022. They've never really liked it, but now when you let kind of th- this idea of your kind of personal identity being forged by you, by you looking inside yourself, all the more then, somebody else's authority has to be abusive. It's got to be abusive if it doesn't fully agree with me. This is why accountability so often now is called abuse. Accountability is not abuse, it's love. Like somebody that comes to you and says, "Brother, sister, I'm concerned. I see this in your life. Are you okay? I'm praying. Is there anything I can do for you?" And that's not abusive. That's kind. In the same way, it's kind to tell your kid to get out of the street. It's not loving to go, "Oh, that's what? Oh, you, that's who you are, huh? You're a street player. Well, have fun." It's absurd. So so lives of boldness marked by submission. And what makes this last week, this week, and next week difficult is he's explaining how submission works when what we're submitting to isn't godly. Not only is it not godly, but it's not just. Let me use this language. It's not fair. So how are we supposed to do this? So last week we talked about government. If you missed that, no, you got to go back and listen. I ain't got time. There's some of you hungry for that one. Texans. I get it. So go back and look. That was government. Now, here, today, we're going to talk about work. What, what do you do when either your manager, your boss, or your company operates in such a way as to reveal that they are enemies of God and treats you unjustly, which is going to be huge, because of your faith? Or in a place where you think you have to leave because of your conscience. So, so how are we meant as Christians? Salt and light in a world that's increasingly hostile. Again, nobody's being persecuted. Don't, don't use that word yet. You'll know. You'll know when we're being persecuted. Right? Being odd and pushed to the side, that's not persecution. That's, they're annoyed. You, you'll know persecution when it hits. All right, we ain't there yet. So how are we to live just when it's a little hostile? Just when we're kind of pushed aside, we're not invited in, we're passed over, we're, right? How do we operate? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me, let me give you this definition of submission. It's the one we introduced last week. Here's what it says. Submission is the right response of people to the commands of God. It's willingly setting aside your desires or needs to honor the desires or the needs of another. So what does submission to unjust authority look like in the workplace? Well, let's look at verse 18 and let me do a little exegesis with you. Verse 18 says this, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So there are versions of the Bible that translate this Greek word slave and not servant. The ESV actually does the best job of this, translating it as servant or bond servant. This idea, which is a different class of people than the slave. Right, so there's slave in in Roman culture. Right, you got slave, you got servant, and then you got the elite, wealthy. Look at me. Did you know that the middle class is like a brand new thing in human history? Well, I don't know how well you've read or what you've studied or what you know. like. The middle class, even in this country, just popped up, you know, 100 and so years ago. Like middle class hasn't existed historically. That's why it's important for us to know the context of the book. So servants, they're not slaves, but they are people that either couldn't make it all right the kind of poverty they were they just couldn't make it or they'd run up their debt so much that they were in a lot of trouble and and so they became servants of whoever uh, they thought could either protect them or feed them or and it was not uncommon for them to be treated like property it was not uncommon for them to be beaten it was not uncommon for them to be sold it was not but they weren't quite that slave class they were just about two clicks above it all right maybe even one click above it And, and so he says here to them hey servants Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. So be subject to these scoundrels. And then remember one of the great themes of 1 Peter is you and I stewarding our suffering, stewarding our suffering, that suffering's inevitable, we're all gonna do it. In fact, let me do that, I'm sorry. I'm gonna get a talking to Tuesday because this is gonna go longer than it needs to. Um, I heard a friend of mine this past weekend and I've asked her for the, the research. I haven't seen it, but here's what she said and I trust her. She said that there's a guy named Johan, I forget his last name, he did a huge, massive research on depression and anxiety. Uh, and, and there are nine causes of depression and anxiety. Only two of them are biological, neurological. The other seven are self-induced. One of the seven is the inability to handle pain and difficulty and loss. Moms and dads, do not constantly rescue them. Comfort them, love them. I'm trying, let them suffer a little. If you snatch them out of the fire over and over again, they're gonna get mowed down because life is hard. And you ain't always gonna be there. land that helicopter and protect them from their mean boss. Or like, you're going to show up at their work when they're 27. You've got to let them hurt. And listen, I got kids, man. I ain't saying this as somebody who ain't deeply in love with my babies. But if we don't let them hurt a little bit, comfort them, but don't solve it. Let them hurt. Or I think we set them up for depression and anxiety. Because I have no idea to handle the fact that, man, I, this hurts. Like, what if you just entered in and was like, gosh, I know. I'm so sorry. It does hurt. You know, when I was your age, something similar happened. mean, what if you entered in with empathy but didn't solve it or take it off of them or to go, you know what? I know that was mean, but when you get old, you're going to be hotter than all them girls and they're going to be so jealous of you. (laughs) Then what happens if she doesn't turn into Cinderella mom? (laughs) Huh? Please. Like, this is a real deal. Everyone hurts. Everyone suffers. Suffering comes. So how do we learn To steward our suffering well. Well, here's what he says. And this is where I'm going to be kind of mean, but it's out of love. Look at this. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God. And I would circle that. We're going in deep here in a little bit on mindful of God. One endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin, you are beaten for it and endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. I think there are about nine reasons the Bible gives us for suffering. The the first and primary is that we live in a broken world, that sin came into the cosmos, fractured into a thousand pieces. Most sufferings there. Um, Some suffering is just chalked up to mystery. Don't trust theologians that don't allow some space for mystery. Right? That, the purpose of the Bible isn't to be some linear textbook that answers all your questions. It shows you who God is. And in seeing God, it starts to be all right. Yeah. Leave some room for mystery. Sometimes suffering is just like, what in the world? Uh, another one that's in view here, that's in view here is the person's own foolishness. It, it's like, you can't even talk about this anymore. Look at me. I love you. Sometimes you suffer because you're a moron. Am I not allowed to say that? Is that not true? But you and I live in kind of victimology 2022. If I've got any pain, somebody did something to me. No, you might have just been dumb. Like you reap what you sow. Like is that some kind of rule that doesn't apply to us? Like human history is full of reaping and sowing, but not now. If I've got to sow anything that's uncomfortable, anything that bothers me, anything that hurts me, somebody did something to me. Yes, you like, you can't even, like, it's crazy right now that this isn't a category for us anymore. You know how much of my stuff I had to work through that I did to me? Amen. Like, this is why I'm constantly telling you, nobody has been meaner to you than you have. Like, sometimes we suffer, and that's in view. Like, what good is it if you catch that beaten because you were a fool? Listen, some of you aren't being persecuted at work. You're lazy. Can I say it? Am I not allowed to say that? Like, listen, and I'm not dogging you because, God help me, some of us just need to be trained how to work hard. We just don't know how, like nobody taught us. So like, man, we you know put in a good four hours and then they are like, ugh. I don't know what I have left. I'm just grinding. Bro, it's Monday at lunch. I know, man. Pray for your boy. These people don't like Jesus. I mean, Maybe. Maybe they don't like Jesus. Um, Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Some of you are calling persecution what's actually you being lazy. You You not working hard. You not grinding. Like like who? You know who you work for? You don't work for that boss. You don't work for that company. That ain't your boss. That ain't who you accountable to. That's not even where your inheritance is coming from. Remember our week one, future inheritance? Like, listen to me, you, you should just be, listen, I'm a, here's my vision for you. Look, Doc, I want you to own the company. I want you to climb the ladder. Get that raise. I know what the devil and his people do with their money and influence, and I know what God's people do with theirs. Yeah. Grind it, right? Get it, work hard, not at the expense of your family and not because you need that to have some sense of meaning and purpose. But you should grind. This is saying, hey, l- listen, if you're persecuted... Because you're a fool. That ain't what I'm talking about. And then he clarifies what he is talking about. And that's when the wickedness of others is the cause of our suffering. And let me just, a lot of hot takes today. Did you know, and because this is another thing you can't say a lot, there are actually evil people out there. Like the proverb says that there are fools, there are the simple And then there are evil people beyond redemption. Absolutely not. But are there evil people out there? Yes, there really are. And so we need to to be mindful, especially that you don't call the simple evil or the evil simple. Because what's right and good appeals to the simple and draws them into the truth. But evil digs in its heels and says, I don't care what's true, right? And so how are we if we're working in a situation where our godliness Not our hard work, our our love for Jesus is seen as a hindrance to the bottom line, is seen as a hindrance to the mission of the workplace. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because Peter wants to answer it. Look in verse 19. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Um, th- this is the key. How do we do it? How are you and I to work in domains and in places where we may, maybe not, we may experience a kind of suffering, not because we're lazy fools, but because our whole life is about Jesus. We, we ain't some like bumper sticker Christian. We, like we, I, I, we, It's Jesus. See, our family through those lens, our money through those lens, our work through those lens, our friendships through those lens. That's the point of our lives. When that becomes the obstacle to our workplace, when that's the thing that bothers our boss, when that's the thing that he's just done with, how are we to manage? Well, he says, when mindful of God. And and I think that's the key. Um, There's a lot being said of mindfulness right now. You've seen this? Uh, Just to be mindful. And here's a definition from a psychology journal of what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is the basic human ability to be fully present, aware of where we are and what we're doing, and not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us. So here's mindfulness. You lay on the floor, palms up. Take a deep breath into your nose. Exhale slowly and pay attention to your body. Listen to the beat of your heart. Scan your body. You can feel some pain in my left shoulder. What emotion is triggered there? Let me, mindfulness. Now here's what I'd say. There's something to it. There's something to it. There's something about quieting our spirit before living God. But I'm not talking about this shallow, superficial like vague spirituality mindfulness. I don't think that's what's in view here. Peter's view of mindfulness, and by the way, it's funny to me that this mindfulness is blowing up everywhere. The number of times that the world catches up to the Bible makes me dizzy. Like, have you seen these studies? We're like, we just learned. You work hard for six and take one day off or you're completely unplugged. Your longevity and productivity goes through the roof. Say, man, we said that 4,500 years ago. Have you noticed it, though? It happens all the And now this kind of quiet your spirit, get in the silence and so I'm like, good Lord, the Bible's been teaching humanity that for thousands of years, right? Mindfulness is, I belong to him. I am his, he is mine, and that informs everything about my life. I am in a 30-year pursuit of staying in the presence of Jesus to abide as John 15 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. It's why a long time ago, I gave away the, you know, 30 minute quiet time in the morning and still started my morning with that. But then through the natural transitions of my day, stop and breathe again. Mindful. I belong to him. I don't need you to like me. He likes me. I don't, I don't need to control my environment. He's in control. It's mindfulness. And it's a mindfulness that wherever I am, I first and foremost belong to him. Let me show you this. This is Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You get that? Like That's work. Like, work like you're working for the Lord. So this immediately takes your, my boss is a bum, our company is run like a bunch of herd of morons. Maybe, but you ain't working for them. Now, that shouldn't even be like how you see it. Yeah, this is poorly organized, but I'm serving the Lord. His kingdom ain't poorly organized. Oh, yeah, this is, like my manager, man, he he can't hardly breathe and tie his shoes, and yet I'm serving the Lord, I ain't working for him. Right, like this is what it means. Mindfulness is, man. I know what my job is all about, and my job isn't about a retirement plan or paying my mortgage or now all of those things done because you work. Yes, and if a man does not work, he cannot eat, and if a man doesn't provide for his family, he he's worth worse than a pagan. That's what the Bible says. No, 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 grind. I'm not telling. I, I'm just saying, who we're, we're our whole mindset is that belong to him. I'm working for him. This is about him. This is why when you tease out Christianity to be what you do at church and what you do everywhere else, you kind of miss the all encompassing power of the spirit in all of your life and you make everything harder. Like how much easier is it to go to work and serve King Jesus? Like I work with people. I know doc. Like how much easier is just be like, no, no, no. this is who I'm going to start my morning orienting my heart around him. And then come what may come what may I'm free. I'm free not to be begrudging. I'm free to not overpower oh, up and get aggressive. In fact, I'm free to serve those who treat me with unjust motives. In fact, if you really want to stick it to your boss or manager and they're being cruel to you, just get them a cup of coffee. Come in early and be like, man, I know that's what you like, boss. Enjoy that. Hey, you know what? I, I parked a little bit further out. I wanted you to be able to park a little... Right? I do this with the elders all the time. I'm kidding. That's a, that's a bad joke. It's a bad joke. Now, here's the other thing to keep in mind. So I'm now mindful. I'm mindful. I work for Jesus. I don't work for the, I work for Jesus. That's my boss. I'm trying to do it in a way that pleases him. Right? And then I want to keep in mind, and what Peter wants us to keep in mind, is what God is accomplishing in it all. Let's look at this. Look, look at verse 20. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. Listen to this. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. How, how is his kids suffering injustice at the hands of unbelievers? Gracious in his sight. Again, you're asking all the right questions today. Here's what it accomplishes in us. It burns away false hopes and distractions. I love you. Let's, let's look at each other. All suffering exposes idols that we didn't know were there. All suffering exposes idols that we didn't know were there. Right now, you, me, all of us, without even knowing it, are putting hope in something that can't bear the weight of it. And it's like holding, it's like straining, trying to hold up our hope. And all it takes is a phone call or somebody to cut us off in traffic or, or somebody to say the wrong thing or, or a little sickness or a kid to do something that breaks our heart. And the whole thing collapses. All suffering on the continuum, small to massive exposes idols. That's why God says, this is, this is a gracious thing. This is a beautiful thing. I am loving you and allowing you to endure this. I'm showing you that you've put your hope in things that can't hold it. I'm reminding you that I can. And, and then from there, we, we see in our own lives. Not, not only that our, is it exposed that we've got some idols in our own hearts, but, but what also happens is we're reminded that this isn't home. Listen, man, I I feel like we live posh up here. How hard is it to remember this in our home? I got a great truck, man. I love my house. I mean, my couch is legit. I got a date with that couch in about three hours. I'm going to just rim sleep on that mug this afternoon, right? I got a comfortable life. I do. I've got, I mean, I met some guys who are in here who, who work for Pioneers. They're working for uh, Christians in the hardest places in the world. They, they know people that have died for their faith. Don't look like that's on my radar. I mean, my, I got to figure out what good food I want to eat this afternoon. Right? So we need to be reminded, hey man, this ain't home. I know that bed's comfortable. That sleep number thing, things, but that ain't, that ain't home. And the the food that we get to eat, the temperature that we get to lose, like this still isn't home. Suffering helps us see that it's not home. And that's why the Bible here says it's a gracious thing. It's the God's goodness to allow you to suffer unjustly. And, And then lastly, there's a great paradox in Scripture that suffering actually deepens our faith and makes it more genuine. As desperate as we are for comfort, it's discomfort that stretches our faith and reveals even to us that it's genuine. When people ask me, like, what was the big takeaway from terminal brain cancer? My big takeaway is I actually believe this. Oh, you mean you didn't believe it before? Oh, no, no, I believed it before. I just didn't know how much I believed it. I mean, I did believe. I I mean, with all this that you're seeing, I would have told you I believe. But you let somebody tell me, hey, you're going to be dead in two years. And before that, we're going to poison you a bit. You let me get up on that precipice and look over, and I was like, oh my gosh, I actually believe this. Because if it's not by his grace, then I'm in trouble. It better be grace alone, faith alone, or I'm doomed. Right? Okay. Now, that's what happens in us. But here's what happens around us. Jesus is shown as superior to comfort and wealth. We show faith that God will provide for us and our confidence is there. We show that we believe, and this is good, that God is the just judge freeing us to not grow angry and bitter, but have a posture of love and grace to those who harm us. I'm telling you, nothing will be more discombobulating than when people are cruel to you, you respond with legitimate kindness and service the number of times I plead with God to help me not hate my enemies. It is a supernatural gift, but more on that in a second. One thing I want to just add to this is that there will be some of you who are not stuck in what I'm describing. You are in a situation where uh, either by conscience or by the behavior of another, you're done with this. You've sat, you haven't been angry, you've endured, you've absorbed, and it's gotten so toxic and, and so unbearable. Or you're conscious, the company's doing things that you simply can't live with. You tracking with me? Not not the company doesn't love Jesus. The company is doing something. They have a client. They're participating in something that is so wicked in my love for Jesus, and my understanding of what he wants for human flourishing, that i got to walk. Not all of you will be able, but if you are, the scriptures give clear permission for you to graciously walk. Let me show you this 1 Corinthians seven twenty-one: Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. Look at parentheses. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself to the opportunity. So if you can walk, and it's time to walk, graciously walk. Let me show you a story of what I'm talking about.
0: My name is Andy Green. My wife Karen and I, we've attended the Village Church for nearly 12 years. We have three kids, Marbella, who's 15, Milana, who's 13, and Micah, who is seven. A year ago, I had an opportunity to leave the job in the industry that I've been in for about a decade and move to a startup to build a customer education practice in a really interesting uh, and fast-growing field. Uh, This is a company that was focused on helping companies with their technologies, uh, make them more accessible and inclusive for a variety of people. So making a website or making an app accessible to somebody who's blind or has low vision or may have some type of motor disability to prevent them from interacting with an app or a website the same way that you or I would. It was something that I could really get behind. So I'd been with the company about seven months, really building and and kind of getting into the routine of, of pulling together and assembling the team. And one day I get an instant message from one of our project managers asking if one of my employees can work on a website audit for a company called MindGeek and one of their website properties called Pornhub. I didn't respond, like the first thing I did was just try and just, I got up from my desk and took a walk around and go, this is, this is crazy. You push yourself back from the desk and just kind of pause for a minute and go, It did that just happen? You know, the company philosophy, we want to make all technology um, accessible and inclusive. And so apparently that boundary didn't stop. Um, with any specific set area and so pornography and Pornhub was one of the companies that we had a business relationship with. I needed to bring this information, sit down with my wife, pray through and talk about it because the first thing was really clear is that as a follower of Jesus, I pray for the pornography industry to disappear overnight. It was so beautiful, like there was instant unity of we can't continue here if they continue to do business with this. And she helped me, as she always does, remind me that I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus first. You don't have to be a Christian to think pornography is bad. Do you just be the moral guy and have an issue with it and nobody's going to blame you for leaving the company? Or do you want to make a statement that says, I'm a follower of Jesus and now have Everything that you do, start with that that as a follower of Jesus. I can't support that. I had more conversations with people about my faith in the final weeks of my employment there than I did going back into some of my other careers. There's nothing special or extraordinary about me. I'm a very average guy working in training, but what the Lord brought about is just an opportunity for me um, to see an intersection of my faith with my work that hadn't been there for so long. And so I had no idea all of the wonderful things that he was going to create out of this, but he did. And trusting him, I need to trust him. If I look back at the milestone decisions that I've had to face in my life, uh, Karen and I have had to come together a decision into and walk in faith together this was another one of those and it was just another opportunity to experience his goodness and to see so much more come out of it that i would have never written for myself and so i just need to follow him into wherever i go
2: yeah so just an yeah just an example of what we're talking about and and i want to just highlight some of the pieces talk about the complexities and then lay something before you we're almost there um one it, the, this is a man who doesn't, and this is a family who, who doesn't see Jesus as like a Sunday thing. It's not a hobby. It, that's not what they do. It's not like, oh, we're in the South, so we better go to church. That's not what's happened here. Like, this family is a family that by their faithfulness to Jesus, they've started a nonprofit to love the least of these. They, they are Jesus people. They, they are mindful of their identity in Christ. So he's not just going to work, going, what's the next gig? He's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I I know what human flourishing is. And human flourishing isn't women being trafficked and degraded and treated like they don't have a soul. And I'll be danged if I'm going to be able to use my gifts to put that in the palm of somebody's hands. But then not being judgy, not not even saying what I just, that's me. That ain't him. He's godlier than I am. I should have let him preach this morning. But just going... I, in good conscience, I simply can't do this. And did you hear what his coworkers did? Wait, what? You can't do what? And, and then what does he get to say? There's, there's beauty to be had. There's goodness to be seen. There's redemption to be experienced. I, I can't do it. I love you. Go get them. But I, I got to walk. Like, this is what we're talking about. Now, I know that for some of you, your situation's far more complex, right? It's not like, hey, would you like to make an app for Pornhub? I mean, I think most of you be like, I hope most of you be like, eh, no, I can't do that one, <laughs> right? But so some of you, it's real complex. Like, we live in a complex season. And so one of the things we wanted to offer for you uh, is we wanted to create a a space for you to hear a bit of the complexity of ethics in our day and be able to ask questions and interact. So invited my friend Russell Moore here. Uh, And so on Thursday night from seven to nine, Russ is gonna be in this room. Uh, we will have kids keepers from birth to kindergarten, 15 bucks. And that's going to get you his new book called the courage to stand, which is exceptional. And so all he's going to do, he's going to talk about the complexities of the days we're in specifically uh, around business and life. And then he's just going to answer questions. So I want to invite you. I just think no matter what domain you're in. I think Russ will be really, really helpful for you. So I want to invite you out seven to nine this Thursday. If you've got babies, uh, we've got childcare for birth to kindergarten, right? Uh, and so I wanted to invite you to that. Now, two things as I close. Here's the first one. Peter starts to move us into the next area where this is going to be true, which is the home. So pray for me going into next week. Verse 21 says this. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Peter says, you want an example of what this looks like? Look to Jesus. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When they treated him cruelly, he did not threaten. No, he entrusted to the one who judges justly. Look at me, I love you. You know who doesn't judge justly? Us. I don't. If you had any idea what I thought, in traffic sometimes, is not a just punishment for going that slow in the left lane. But it's in my head. Our example is, do you hear somebody amen that over there? That's my people. Um, he's our example, but we can't get stuck there. Look at me. He's not just an example. One of the distinguishing marks of the Christian faith is that Jesus isn't just our example, but is our savior. Look at the argument in verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree That we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Every other religion in the world says, hey, like Muhammad, you want to be a good Muslim like Muhammad, you want to be a good Buddhist? Like Buddha. You into the Eastern stuff? Like Confucius. Like that. Use them as your Try to live the way they lived and nirvana or heaven or real life is yours. Jesus isn't just example. In fact, the, the Bible would go so far as to go. You can't live like Jesus. Any testimonies? Gave it a try back in the day? Just tried to conform to that moral law and felt crushed by it? Yeah, so, so here, here's the offer. Hey, I know this is hard. I know this is difficult. Come and die. Like, if you'll come and die, I will give you life. If you'll come and surrender to me, not try to be like me yet, I'm going to do that in you. You don't have to do that in you. I'm going to do it in you. I'm going to give birth to something in your guts, man. I'm mean, i going to give birth to a love for me. I'm going to give birth to zeal for my name and for holiness. I'm going to give you that. But you got to come and die. Listen, I'm I'm just pleading with you. Aren't you tired yet? Good God, aren't you exhausted? The invitation for you—I don't care who you are, what you've gone through, how you've come in—is to surrender to this Jesus. Submission is the means of life, not death. Those lies that you believe about you—I'm not enough. I'm a terrible person. Uh, You know, if anybody ever knew me, they would find out I was a fraud. Like this is the answer to all of that. Like the cross, did you see it? Like they we look to the cross, his death, his wrath absorbing death on the cross, so that any accusation against me can't stand. What are you gonna say about me? I'm a child of God. Oh, the stuff I've done in the past doesn't bother me. That Matt Chandler's dead. Oh, the stuff I'm struggling with now, don't you worry about that. That's covered. Well, Chandler, aren't you fairly convinced you're going to screw up pretty bad in the next couple of years? I am convinced I will. I might even be doing it right now. And yet, that too covered. You see, see the freedom that comes in surrendering to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's on the table for you. Listen, this ain't no, this ain't no scheme, this ain't no multi level marketing. I'm getting paid if you give your life to Jesus. I'm getting getting what I get regardless. I'm trying to plead with you in the middle of a crooked and perverse and depression-laden, anxiety-wracked culture that there's life to the full to be had. And I want to be honest enough to tell you, you can't get there on your own. You can work out and eat better. Uh, you can kind of find your unique identity for this season. You can kind of define yourself by your sexuality. You can, you know, put the essential oils on you. You can do all. It's not going to save you. But but what if I were to say that everything that you hate about yourself has already been handled for you? Everything you hate about you has been handled. See, the gospel, this thing that Christians believe, it's called the good news. It's not bad news, it's good news. And here's the good news. Everything that's broken can be mended. Everything that tears at your soul can be healed. Now, in an instant, no, it's gonna take some time. And oh, goodness, his patience. I've been in this game 30 years. I can't believe he's still with me. I know me. And so I just want to lay it out for you today. Like you're, you're, you're not here on accident. There's a thousand reasons for you to not come today. A thousand reasons for you not to tune in. I mean, it's pouring down rain or at least Texas pouring down, right? It's raining outside, Ugh. but you're here. Like that, that's no small thing. That's no coincidence. It could be you're here today so that I can say this to you. So that God, in his infinite mercy, has been pursuing you longer than you can imagine. That maybe a decade from now, you're like, oh my God, my whole life he was after me. Like, here's your moment. Like, what would it be like for you to finally just go, okay, I'm just saying yes to Jesus. And so I'm terribly over. I'm already going to get in trouble. But we're going to, I'm going to pray for you. And and then I'm going to say amen. And we're going to sing a song about growing in love with Jesus. And I want to just encourage you to finally say yes to him. Just go, man, I I have been a terrible God. Uh, I have really made a mess of things, and I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of that and then heal me and, and then be my Lord, be the king over my life. I want the mindfulness that says, no, I'm his and his alone. I belong to him and I'm protected in him and I'm cared for in him. And then if you would be so bold... After you pray that in your seat along this back wall, after I say amen, there's gonna be a group of men and women. And if you'd be so bold as to maybe walk with them and just let them know, you don't, you don't have to have all the right language for it. You can just say, whatever, I just said yes to Jesus, not even quite sure what that means. I, I said, I made a mess and now be my king, and is that it? And they'll help you. And then if you want, We'll, we'll baptize you today, man. I mean, we'll just do that whole death and life thing and, and we can just lose our minds together that another one's been snatched from the jaws of darkness. And, and so, but you would, you would need to kind of navigate through the embarrassment of owning, dang it, it hadn't gone the way I thought I could make it go. But here's what's great, look at me. You're in a room with a lot of people that have already admitted it. Like, you, you're our people. Oh, you're, you're jacked up. Oh my gosh, you're one of us. Oh, you've got a life filled with regret. You're going to fit in just fine here. Oh, you still a little shady. You're going to love it here. Right? So, so come. Like, we're not building fences. We're laying before you a well. Drink. Father, bless these men and women. I do what preaching can't do. Gosh, you, you know, you know every heart, every story, every background, every argument taking place right now in the souls of men. not I just ask, Spirit of the living God, will you break through at home? Will you break through in this room? Break through. You grant salvation and courage to those who need it this morning. I pray that generations change after today. I pray that uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of wickedness goes into the baptismal waters today and leads to 12, 20, 50 generations of righteousness. This is what you do. You rewrite our stories. We bless you. Thank you. It's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.